What's going on? Welcome back to Let It Grow Investing for uh, episode number 73. I am uh, Jeff and thank you for stopping in to have a chat with me here about uh, some different things going on in the market. Uh, I'm recording this on Easter here. So happy Easter. And uh, this one will be coming out Monday. So, you know, last time we were talking a bit about uh, some peg ratios uh, where you can kind of see some difference between a low PE and then where that growth is ultimately heading. Uh, we don't really like to get into just low PE stocks without knowing where they're going. Uh, so that peg ratio is going to look at the future EPS growth uh, versus that uh, that PE where the company's currently trading and uh, show us if we're getting a discount uh, versus that future growth that we're planning for. Uh, because if it's just that low PE, but the, the company's going nowhere, it might stay in that low PE where we're looking for companies that are going to be making things right now. Uh, they're a little bit more insulated, but they're also just trading at a lower PE when they where they normally trade. And they're also going to give us that future growth. We're looking out for the next one or two years uh, on that EPS growth. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, we're going to get right into it. Um but first, I mean, I did want to say, uh, if you're looking to get a, a portfolio started, I've got links in the description for, uh, you know, E-Trade, Webull, uh, Crypto.com, and uh, Binance, just some links that I have, uh, brokerages that I use uh, for my portfolios. Webull's offering up to like $9,600 in uh, free stocks right now. Uh, all you have to do is uh, open an account and make a deposit, and you're going to get some free shares. So go ahead and take advantage of those links if you're looking to get going. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's look at ARK Invest, what they're doing right now. Um, so Kathy Wood with the ARK Invest Fund, ARKK is their innovation fund. She has uh, gone ahead and went on a little bit of a buying spree here. Uh, but she did do some selling, okay? So she sold about $147 million worth of Tesla. And that is their number one position. Anytime uh, Arc sells Tesla, it's it's in the it. If you're if you're looking around, you'll ultimately get some big headline about uh, oh my gosh, 147 million. What's Kathy doing? W what's wrong with Tesla now? Okay, so as of uh, 2026, their forecast for Tesla is 4,600 dollars a share. Uh, so. Why is she selling it if she thinks that it's going to be uh, up to $4,600 a share in four years? So one problem is that it is an overweight position in their portfolio. Uh, it's Right now, it's still, even after this sale, it's still number one. So they still currently hold $1.1 billion of Tesla stock. And that is a uh, pretty much, well, right now it's at 9.9% of that market weight for this ETF, this uh, exchange traded fund. So if you're buying uh, you know, $1,000 of ARK-K, $100 of that goes to Tesla. That's pretty much how it goes with the breakdown right now. So partially they're a little bit overweight. Um, I think we've got a lot of other news going on with Elon, potentially buying Twitter. And if he should buy Twitter with the whatever the 42 billion or 44 billion, he needs to get that money from somewhere. Most of his money is in Tesla stock. So if he wants to go ahead and buy Twitter, is he going to have to sell off some of his shares in order to have the capital to buy Twitter? 
Uh, so that's kind of a reason where we're seeing Tesla kind of sell off right now is because if uh, one, if Elon sells, he's going to have to, you know, there's going to be some sell side pressure Two, if he's going to take over Twitter and take it private and try to, you know, do whatever he's going to do with Twitter. Is he going to have as much time to manage Tesla? So there's some fears there. So we're seeing Tesla sell down. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason that Kathy is going ahead and selling some is because she's looking to one, limit her risk in Tesla, ultimately look at some other companies to buy, which uh, she went ahead and bought. You know, she bought some, I mean, she's always buying, but uh, these were some that are, are standouts right now. So the other EV company that she went ahead and bought was Neo, And that is a newer one to her portfolio. Um, so she bought $8.4 million of Neo, And, uh, you know, that's the China EV company with battery, battery swapping technology. They got a lot of different things going for them. Also, uh, she went ahead and bought Coinbase, uh, Roblox, RBLX, Coinbase is C-O-I-N. She bought more Roku, R-O-K-U, and uh, Zoom Video, Z-M. So she's, you know, been adding to some of these uh, growth stocks where, a lot of people think they're in a bubble. She thinks that they are in deep value territory. That's what she went ahead and said on uh, on ARK Invest. I'm on here right now looking through what they're buying and selling. Um, so, you know, it might be a time where you can get some of this growth while uh, other people are running for the hills or getting out of growth and they're looking to those low peg ratio names or safety plays and energy banking, you know, financials, pharmaceuticals. She's looking to add to this uh, this deep value growth plays. Uh, so that's that's one one of the reasons she's getting out of it. Uh, again, I think it's just a, a matter of rebalancing this portfolio uh, to ultimately not have so much exposure. As I said, it's one point one billion dollars. Uh, the second one is going to be Teladoc, and that's at seven hundred and fifty million dollars. So you know it's ten uh, percent for Tesla and 6.7% on Teladoc. So it's still overweighted, even in comparison to their, their number two, number three positions. It's uh, you know about 3% higher in uh, weight in Tesla. But uh, yeah, so we've got Elon trying to take over Twitter, and we're ultimately not too sure what that means. If he's just looking for uh, freedom of speech, if he's looking to make it you know private and just uh, kind of get back on that... Uh, um, you know, really having people have their own voice and not banning people. I'm not ultimately sure as to what Twitter's going to do. Um, you know, as if I were a stakeholder, I would say, you know, go ahead and accept the deal. It's 30 some percent more than the day before Elon went ahead and bought that first 10 percent stake in Twitter. Uh, he ultimately turned down that board seat and, uh, then said that he wanted to buy the company. And if they don't sell it to him at that $54 a share, he's going to have to think hard about uh, whether he wants to still own a stake in Twitter, which basically means either I'm going to buy it or I'm going to crumble your stock price. That's pretty much what it means. It's kind of a hard spot that they're in uh, to know, basically change the, the forecast of what's going to happen for Twitter. And uh, do they really want to be run by Elon? So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, ultimately, if he does buy it, you know, that money's got to come from somewhere, which, uh, again, could be more sell side pressure on Tesla. 
Uh, for me, I think it could also be a buying opportunity as I, I think it's temporary news. There's going to be the sell side pressure. Uh, and then hopefully we're going to recover out of that. Uh, so we'll see. And if it goes through, we'll, uh, we'll all be along for the ride here. But uh, we did have a crypto hack that uh, we have linked to North Korea. They've been trying to, uh, they actually got about $620 million worth of uh, crypto. And there's been some, some theories that they've been trying to evade some different sanctions that the U.S. has put on them. So we're trying to see what's going on there. And yeah, like I said, they're trying to evade the sanctions uh, numerous times now. So ultimately, we'll, we'll see what's going on. And uh, I know it's getting stolen off of some ex uh, different exchanges. You can ultimately put your coins into cold storage, take them off your brokerage. Uh, I've said before that I do have some coins on or my coins are held on a, a hot wallet for uh, some different staking purposes. Uh, as some of those staking uh, benefits for me have been cut in half on, uh, on crypto.com just because of the portfolio size. Uh, I have thought about going into cold storage, just take them off, lock them away, keep my keys and everything private. Uh, that's one way that you can certainly pr protect your your investment and your different coins that you hold. Uh, basically, it's a flash drive. You send everything to the flash drive, lock it away, safe deposit box or safe or whatever. And, uh, you know, you save that uh, privately, not, not in a, a wallet that's uh, online that could be hacked potentially. Uh, so that's another thing that we need to really kind of look at as a way to to protect what you've got invested. And, uh, you know, before when I was getting that four or six percent uh, on Ethereum, it's kind of, you know, risk versus reward. I kind of thought, you know, this is a better way to to earn some interest or dividend, however you want to call it, on your crypto coins. But uh, if there's going to be less interest for me and more uh, attempts on hacking, you really got to look at all the options you got out there and see what works best for you. Um, so with that being said, where are we going to go to next here? We've uh, we covered the ARC, we covered Tesla, and we got the crypto hack. Um, so as far as week 16 goes on the investing challenge, we were looking at uh, five different names as, as usual. Okay. We've got uh, Starbucks, Home Depot, Visa, Lamb Research and Facebook. And, uh, you know, we were pretty well tied there for a minute. And then we had Home Depot come out ahead. So we are going to be buying uh, Home Depot stock when uh, when the market opens back up. I, I forget if they're open Monday or not. Uh, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, we will be buying them first day that the market is opened. We will be buying the, the $200 worth of Home Depot. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a good play. You know, they've got uh, they've been beaten down a good bit, but uh, ultimately, I think that it's going to be a long, good long term play. They've been uh, increasing their dividends regularly, heavily in the ten or twenty percent range for a few years now. Uh, where that PE is trading lower, and uh, ultimately, I think it's still a, a good spot for uh, us to be investing as people are still going to need to be fixing up their homes and taking on more projects, even if the housing market slows down, uh, people are going to have problems in their existing homes that are going to need to be fixed. Uh, so ultimately, I think that's a good place to be. Uh, so definitely thank you guys for voting. And uh, we will be buying that one uh, as soon as we can this week. But uh, we'll take a quick break and I will come back. We're going to get into what's going on for week 17. 
and uh, some other details we want to finish up on or, or catch up on. So stick around and I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back here. So real quick, wanted to say if you could go ahead and take a minute uh, and share the podcast, share the group, invite some others, I would greatly appreciate it. That's the only way we uh, can grow the community. I don't do any sort of advertising or uh, have a big budget for it at this point. So if you could uh, share the, the podcast, that would mean the world to me and uh, we'll get some organic growth and hopefully other people will will uh, see it on the algorithms and get bumped up in the ratings. Uh, so that would mean the world. But um, okay, so we were talking about uh, some different ways to, to make some money in this market and ultimately where we're going to go, what we're looking at, uh, what the general consensus of the world is. And uh, Delta Airlines uh, CEO Ed Bastian uh, came out on their earnings call and said that they're they're really doing well and their the forecast got bumped up for the next three months for the the June quarter and uh, really was an upbeat travel uh, forecast a lot of volume for spring break a lot of people going a bunch of different places uh, their margins were looking better he said it's a re return to profitable travel for them um, their margins were at like twelve to fourteen percent. Uh, on a uh, adjusted basis, they have a very strong free cash flow, uh, and so a lot of different things going on for them that are looking uh, beneficial. Uh, so that's uh, definitely good to hear, and uh, ultimately, I think it, it shows where uh, people are looking to to put their money right now. And uh, as I said before, the the consumer still has uh, enough cash, at least here in the U.S., and, and the travel forecast and that consumer spending is still strong. Uh, as we know, the the employment numbers, unemployment's going down. There's still a, a plethora of jobs out there that are looking to be filled. And, uh, you know, ultimately, people are going to be doing something with that money. And uh, travel is definitely one of the things that people have kind of held off for for the next for the past couple of years. So the next couple of years looks like it's going to be a, a better uh, scene for that as, as long as nothing really goes haywire in the coronavirus type um, place. And, and, you know, we don't really go into a deep, deep recession where a consumer gets hurt. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think that's a, a safe, safer bet right now. Uh, so Delta has already run. We kind of saw that uh, when they announced this. And uh, well, well, we'll get back to where I'm going for week 17 on the investing challenge in a second. But uh, I was also looking at the correlation of the cryptocurrencies and how everything did this week. Well, one with the, the NASDAQ trading down and then two with this crypto hack. So over the past seven days, Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, are, are doing fairly well. They held up pretty decently. I I mean, in, in the world of crypto, a 5% loss on Bitcoin, a 6% loss on Ethereum is a uh, is pretty small move. So we're, we're right around that 3,050 level for Ethereum, and we're, we're north of 40,400 on uh, Bitcoin. So those are still holding up well. Uh, I am still waiting for uh, Ethereum. The uh, what's it called? The they changed the name of it. It was going to be ETH 2.0. And then they went ahead and, and changed it to the the consensus layer. So I was looking on there, um, trying to see what that ultimately means. I know it's going to be um, going to go to a proof of stake. So from a proof of work. Uh, so that's going to be better, a little bit faster, cheaper, more efficient. And uh, ultimately, it's going to become a uh, 
deflationary asset. There's going to be less out there uh, to trade. And ultimately, that should drive the price up, especially with more use cases and everything that's going on on the network. Uh, so that's still one thing that I'm looking to do is uh, build up that Ethereum Bitcoin position. And uh, that being said, I'm on just on Ethereum.org trying to see what's going on and uh, reading about uh, staking your coins directly on the Ethereum network. Um, I'm not there yet because of the uh, the amount that you have to stake in order to have your own uh, private wallet because uh, that level is at 32 ETH and I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, so, well, you know, I'm still waiting to really see what I can do. And, uh, you know, that that prior that cold storage is still an option. You could still I could, you know, move some money and put it into uh, another brokerage to get a higher interest rate. Uh, still an option. But uh, right now I'm going to stay on the two platforms that I have. I don't really want to keep trading in and out in order just to get the, a couple points better on the interest. Just for some of the different risks out there, I, I might move it at some point if there's a a significantly better option. But uh, for now, I'm going to stay in place or maybe even take some out, put it in cold storage, and then I could possibly get back to that. Uh, I think it's their tier one platform. And then when you get to tier two, you have enough money, it, it cuts your interest. So if I take some out, uh, I'm not sure if that would actually bump me into back into that tier one bracket or if I'd still be flagged as a tier two account. So I'll have to take a look into that, but it's going to be something that I'm going to need to do when I got a little bit more time and uh, ultimately can, can figure out what options I have on that crypto.com platform. Uh, so that that's all still up in the air, but those numbers on the uh, the crypto coins have been doing pretty well. We haven't fallen back down to some of those lows. Uh, you know, Ethereum was probably in that 2,500 range, uh, probably around the end of uh, February. Let's take a look at the three month here on Coin Market Cap, and uh, yeah, we got down to a low of 20, like 2,200, and that was in January. And then we traded down to, uh, well, we went up and then traded back down to 2370 in February. So, you know, we're still holding that line around the 3000 mark, which is uh, definitely a bullish sign for me. We're not dropping back down, even though the, the market has uh, fallen, that being the NASDAQ and, and the rest of the stock market, we have come back down, but we are holding that line. So hopefully that is a, is a sign of good things to come. Uh, but I do think it's a, a point in time where I'd be adding right now. Uh, did a little bit of nibbling here and there, no, nothing crazy. But um, yeah, so I mean, that's still two positions that I'm looking to add to for long-term gains and really hold on to those uh, those coins. But uh, yeah, now back to back to travel, okay? So as far as week 17 is concerned, uh, this is one of the plays I was looking to add. And there's overall a low uh, peg ratio theme here. This one is kind of the exception. And uh, so I guess the first stock, let's go ahead and get right into it, is Expedia, E-X-P-E. And uh, they, they really are turning positive here. So they've got uh, negative EPS now, which means that the peg ratio is going to be not really useful. Uh, so you've got uh, turning positive in 2023. We've got big revenue growth this year. We got 37% in uh, 2022 and then forecasted 59% in 2023. 
So uh, a lot of turnaround in that travel. Uh, I do think it's still early enough to get into it and uh, wait for those numbers to turn around. The the growth is exponential. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think it's just a spot where we could really see some long-term gains. So even if uh, people aren't using air travel and uh, either if they're staying, you know, close to home or driving somewhere, uh, international travel, you know, the, all the, the tourist def- destinations and activities, uh, Expedia is going to get a cut of that money. So it's kind of similar to how Visa is going to make money. They're going to get money per transaction. So ultimately, I think it's one that doesn't have the risks of having airplanes and having, uh, you know, fuel pricing and labor is probably more limited than having to, you know, recruit new pilots. They can use uh, software to really drive their business rather than having uh, all these other costs on planes and labor and everything else. So that is one that I'm certainly looking at. Um, The, where is it? Let me go ahead and pull up this research report here on uh, Reuters, which uh, is one that I can definitely say that uh, is a, is a good way to find that peg ratio and where they have traded at in the past. Um, They've, they've got all those numbers on there and that one's on E-Trade. So that's one that I definitely like. Um, We've got a price target up about 12%. But uh, as I said, we've got uh, negative EPS right now, but it's going to turn positive. uh, What is this next? Uh, by June. So we should be positive on, uh, the next quarter. That's the, uh, that's the forecast right now. Their earnings per share is going up pretty substantially from a median of our mean of $7 and 62 cents this year to $10 and 53 cents next year. So that's a pretty nice bump up as well. Uh, as I said, that, uh, annual revenue is going to be up 60% next year. And uh, yeah, there was a forecast here. So let me get down to the ratios and how we're trading. Um, and those as it's negative, that doesn't tell us anything. But the forward PE is at a 13% discount. Uh, so hopefully we're going to get back to some some good numbers here. So that is one that I think might do well. You don't have a lot of the risks that uh, airlines might have. And uh, I think it's just going to be somewhere that uh, the, the consumer is going to be looking to spend some money in the next couple of years, because they haven't been able to do so much travel uh, with uh, different pandemic related problems. So now we get into other things that I was talking about that are going to be true low peg ratio stocks. Now, this one is going to be in that chip space. And it is going to be Micron Technologies, they're going to be uh, chip makers of DRAM and NAND, uh, you know, chips, semiconductor chips, and again, low peg ratio. This one is going to come in at a 0.25. Uh, so they have a very low PE right now. It's a 9.1. Uh, so you're going to get that lower PE. You're going to get that growth rate. They're still making stuff um, that is going to be in high demand. Granted, there's they're saying that there's a slowdown in uh, computers uh, as well as handsets for uh, cell phones and things like that. But uh, there's also such a backlog that I believe that they should do well. Now, Micron is, uh, is one that is going to be that cyclical company. We, we've got to watch that, that cycle as well. Uh, currently, though, the, the PE is at an 8.8. 8. 
the EPS is a 7.95. So they're they're making good money per share. And mind you, the um, the stock price is $70. So each share is making close to $8, which is uh, great numbers. And then dividend yield, only about a 0.5 on the, uh, the dividend. But then when we go down to the, uh, the Thomson Reuters report, I'm just going to look at the, uh, the peg ratio real quick. It is at a, uh, well, this says it's at a 0.2. So yeah, the other one I had was at a 0.25 and that was on that market beat uh, website, but this one's a little bit more updated. So it is at a 52% discount to their five-year average, which is a 0.4. Uh, it's 84% discount compared to the S&P. Uh, their trailing PE is an 8.8 versus a five-year average of 15.7. So that's a 44% discount based on where they have traded over the past five years. And then the forward PE, it's projected at a 6.1. Their five-year average is a 10.3, which gives you a 41% discount. So if you think that the chip space is going to be a good way to make money going forward, this is a cheap one. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in a bit of everything. So they've got, uh, they've got a different, uh, lane for every different product, whether it's storage or computing or cloud, they, they've got all of that. And, uh, I think that could be a great one for us. Also, the, uh, the analysts agree, uh, this one, uh, currently at, uh, what was it? $70. I think I said $70, 13 cents. And the forecast, the the mean, the average is 113. So that is a 61% of upside on a commodity chip maker. Um, I, I think it's a good spot to be. I really do. Uh, this one has burned me in the past. And uh, I'm not in this one currently. But uh, it is definitely a cyclical play. It's a mistake I made that I got into it at the wrong time. Uh, I traded down, but then it ran through the roof. And uh, I was I was out of it when it got back to about even, but uh, ultimately now that I understand these stocks a little bit more, I think it would be a spot where I would be comfortable investing. So that one is going to be number two on week 17 here. Okay. So then we're going to go with, uh, number three is going to be Bloomin brands, which is B L M N. Um, you know, the parent company of Outback. Uh, so this one, the, the peg ratio is a bit higher, but, uh, the PE is quite low. And uh, there, there's definitely some upside here. So the, the peg is coming in at a 1.5, but their average is a 2.3. So we still got a discount there. PE is only a 10. Forward PE is a 9. Um, and then the, the dividend is a 2.6. Uh, their, their dividend payout is low. And then they've got 37% of upside on, uh, on the share price. So Bloomin' Brands, uh, I think people are... If you don't have the money to travel, I think there's going to be some people that have an appetite to get back out to going out to dinner and, uh, you know, enjoying local life without, uh, you know, the expense of the added travel and the fuel costs, everything else that's going up. So Expedia is more for the the people who are looking to, to travel. Uh, Bloomin' Brands, I think, is just a, a play for people staying close to home and still getting out and enjoying life a little bit more. So that's uh, that's going to be number three. Uh, then we've got two different different lanes of financial plays here. Uh, two that I think could could treat us pretty well. Uh, one is going to be Bank of America. 
Now this one is going to, you know, be more consumer based. So they're going to benefit from more deposits and, uh, and lending. So with the, the rise in, in interest rates, I think they're going to do a little bit better than some of the uh, investment bankers. Uh, they, their peg ratio is coming in at a 0.8. So as we said before, anything under a one is going to give you uh, better growth versus that PE. So, and their PE is a 10. 10 is generally going to be, re, you know, regarded as cheap uh, versus an industry average of a, a, a 15 on the S&P roughly. Uh, so, you know, there's a, a lot of reasons to get into a bank right now. Uh, they've definitely been sold off with some of the other problems out of other investment banks right now. We've got uh, the interest rates helping us out. The uh, the 30 year just cracked uh, 5% when, uh, you know, just two, I mean, last year it was probably right around 2.7. And, uh, you know, I locked in a, a refi on a 15 year for two and a half. And now that's about doubled. So it's uh, it's definitely going up and that should be beneficial to these banks as well. Uh, they do have about 33% of upside, according to the analysts. Uh, I can't read my notes because I wrote it on a post-it and I ran out of space. That doesn't really help. Uh, their revenue, revenue numbers are a bit light. They are single digits for this year, going up to 14% next year. So you're getting that cheaper uh, peg ratio, PE's low. You're going to get a dividend. Uh, so there's there's a lot of reasons to be in a bank stock right now. We, we had talked about the different ways that I think are going to be uh, beneficial for you right now. And the bank stocks were one of those. The financials are going to be another good play. Um, so that was number four, Bank of America, BAC. So now for number five was uh, going to be uh, Discovery Financial. That's DFS, the Discover card. So this one popped up on that market beat as a being a substantially low peg ratio. So that caught my eye. Um, so that peg ratio is the lowest of the group. It came in at a 0.1. And uh, sometimes you can think of uh, the, the super low peg ratios as a bit risky or as to why you're, you're getting so much growth, but that PE is it's still pretty low. I mean, it's very low on this one. It's a 6.2. So the, the growth is uh, substantially outweighing the, uh, the current price that it's trading at. Their average peg ratio is a 1.3. So as, as I said, just silly cheap on this one. Uh, I don't think you're going to lose much. I mean, there's, there's not much downside when this is trading at a 6.2. Um, and then we've got uh, the the PEs are going to agree. The the trailing is a six point three, which is forty seven percent down from where it normally trades. And then the forward is down. Uh, well, it's it forward PE is an eight, and it's seventeen percent cheaper than where it normally trades. Uh, and again, when you're looking at these credit card companies right now, I think they are going to be uh, that transactional. People are going to spend money regardless of. If they got um, you know more money in their account or less, they're they're going to use these cards in order to live. Whether they're buying groceries, fuel, uh, or if they're spending on Expedia or any of the other brands that we you know that we generally look at, whether it's Apple or Amazon, people are going to be using their credit cards. So they're going to get a cut of all those sales, and uh, ultimately, I think that could be a good way to uh, to weather a storm in a, a recession or a downturn in the economy. And uh, ultimately, I just think that the, those credit card plays are a good spot to be. 
uh, especially given everything else out there. This one made the cut because of that super low peg ratio. And uh, ultimately, I think that uh, the the upside will be good in this one um, going forward. You know, so if uh, if that's something that makes sense to you, go ahead and get your uh, your votes in for whichever one you guys like. Uh, I like to, you know, put these together. I did do a good bit of homework trying to figure out what's what here. And uh, ultimately, if uh, if one of these makes more sense to you or you think, uh, you know, hey, the chip space is is definitely trading too cheap. Or if you think people are really going to get back into travel or spending on their credit cards, go ahead and uh, and vote that up. Uh, but I did want to say real quick that the uh, Discover DFS has about 25% of upside. And uh, even the low price target is above where we're at right now. So I think it's safe, safe PE, peg ratios, incre- incredibly cheap. Um, one I did want to mention when I was doing this homework that I wasn't too um, enthralled with. Um, and some, someone might disagree here, but, uh, that one was going to be foot locker. Uh, foot locker is trading remarkably cheap and the, it's got a decent dividend. Uh, a lot of the different things that are, are bothering me with foot locker is, uh, some of the different platforms are going direct to consumer. Um, you know, they've had a lot of theft. They've had a lot of store problems. They've had some, some different management problems, um, so there's a, there's a lot going on in this situation where I just don't really want to get into that space of, uh, of a foot locker play right now. Uh, and like I said, you know, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, they're all trying to go direct to consumer. They're kind of, you know, selling to foot locker, but, uh, it's not necessarily where I want to be now. Could this one go, go super crazy? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's PE is remarkably cheap. It's a 3.5. They're, they're making decent money. Uh, it's got a 5.3% dividend, but sometimes when I'm seeing these super low PEs with a super high dividend, uh, this, this shows me that, uh, you know, it's kind of a red flag. And when I see uh, a, a high dividend on, uh, on something that's trading near a yearly low, uh, it, it makes some calls for concern. And, uh, you know, it, it could be one that does well, but uh, it's definitely one that I think has its risks right now. So I'd rather be in a different spot uh, than than in the shoe or footlocker industry right now. So that's that's kind of why this one didn't make the cut for me. So you got to really think about where you want to be long term. Uh, it does have about a 10 percent of upside, according to the analysts. It's just not a play for me right now. Uh, that's not to say it's bad. If you're in it, you know, I mean, it's it's been a rocky ride. I, they, they've been cut almost in half or more uh, in the past year. So definitely look at all these different things. You want to make sure the chart uh, isn't just giving up on itself. And it's it's got to be down at this three times PE for a reason. Um, it does have some growth potential. But when you're looking at that peg ratio, you could be high single digits to get a uh, a peg ratio that is that cheap. Um, especially with that, uh, PE of a three. So if it's a, uh, if it's double that, it's going to have a, a peg ratio of 0.5. So, but that would still put your growth rate somewhere in the 8% and we're looking for double digit, uh, returns. That's what I was really looking for is double digit growth. And, uh, Foot Locker just didn't make the cut for me. And some of those other concerns I had were reasons that I would personally stay out of it. Uh, but I mean, like I said, that, that dividend of 5% is great. But uh, if numbers keep going down and sales are are failing, 
we're going to probably see a dividend cut. They're not going to keep that at a 5% if they can't afford it. That's going to be one of the, the first things that's going to tend to go. So um, with that being said, we've got uh, the five choices. We've got Micron, Expedia, Blumen Brands, Bank of America, and Discovery Financial. Uh, that is over at Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. So if you can go ahead and get your votes in over there, please uh, invite others to the page. And uh, don't forget to share the uh, the podcast with others as well. I would greatly appreciate that. And a five-star review would help also. Uh, so hopefully you like what I have for you guys today. Let's uh, Let's get out there. Uh, and make some smart choices as to what we're going to do going forward. We'll stay invested and stack those assets, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell, and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.